What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, and we are back in action here, May 31st, 2020, and we are previewing the National League Central. Jordan Morandini and several of our other friends were working with me, and we have been working on this MLB season preview. We initially started doing this three months ago when we thought baseball was right on the horizon, and now we have hope once again. Hopefully it's not false hope, but hopefully we can get a season played. But in the meantime, as we await the decision, I thought it'd be fun. Let's preview. Let's finish this preview. Let's get the NL Central preview out there. I know people love these previews. Jordan Morandini is with me less than 72 hours after our last podcast episode. Jordan, how have you been? Jack, a couple good nights rest, and we're (laughs) right back at it today. Uh, Really looking forward to this one. This is always, actually might be the the most fun podcast we do each year long. The NL Central is always fun. So thanks again for having me, and uh, let's get it. The thing that's great is NL Central and NL East, we naturally are going to have the most interesting insights and opinions on those divisions, just you and me both with uh, our uh, geographic history (laughs) where we're from. But it also helps that those are probably the two best divisions to follow now, at least for the last two years. Well, yeah, they've been so competitive and it seems like each year, um, you know, there's another up and coming team. One of the teams that struggled the year before is kind of a hot topic heading into the next season. And along with that, it seems like the, you know, there's never really any consistency <laughs> with these divisions as of late. So I think that's what makes them a lot of fun to talk about. And, uh, you know, heading into this year, I think we're looking at the exact same thing. <laughs> so just a little update here, as I mentioned, We started this preview three months ago. We had no idea that the sports world was going to be shut down, but things have happened. The season appears that it's going to be shortened. If you're interested in that topic, go back and listen to our last episode. We talked about the return of the NHL, the hopeful return of the NBA, and the negotiations between the MLB players and owners We discussed what a shortened season might look like. There was a lot of interesting, fun stuff in that episode. So if you're interested in that, go back and check that out. But if you have listened to that, I won't bore you with those (laughs) details. Today, we will get into the meat of it. But I want to make something clear. As I mentioned, these episodes have been recorded just so... There's just been such a layoff in between the last time we were podcasting about the previews. So things are a little different since the last time we talked. As I mentioned, the season looks to be shortened. But for the for the sake of just things making sense for now, because we don't know what is going to happen, how long the season's going to be played, we're going to, for our win over under projections, we thought it would be fun to use the original 162 model and we can talk about what we think that record would be through 162 and as we get closer to if we figure out what things are really going on maybe we can modify that or maybe we can uh, do a little cross multiplication and figure out what uh, 90 wins through 162 how many wins that equates to in an 82 game season. 
Well, Jack, th- those are the numbers we have to work with at this point. <laughs> so we got to ro- we have to roll with them, and then as as time goes on, and maybe we get a better idea, uh, you guys out there can adjust accordingly to what we <laughs> initially projected. Thankfully, Jordan, math was one of my stronger subjects in school, and that's that's saying something because uh, I was not too great at school as a kid. <laughs> so math was the one go-to every day. Yeah, math and history, I'd say. Okay, fair enough. Two yeah. good subjects, I'll give you that. Yeah, always <laughs> most interesting to me. History, geography, math. So were you were you any good at math? Are you good at math? Yeah, I would say math was definitely one of my strong suits. I would roll with gym as well as another <laughs> one of my... <laughs> Jim and recess for my other two jacks. We'll, we'll stick with that. We'll stick with those three. I wonder who the best mathematician would be in this division. Which player? Oh, geez. Um, that's a good question. Maybe Trevor Bauer. <laughs> He'd be the most entertaining if you had to watch him do math, most likely. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a name. Rizzo's got to be a pretty smart guy, no? Yeah, they're a lot. They're a lot. Joey Votto, really yeah. smart guy. But some people are extremely smart, but math is not their uh, their bread and butter. And there are people like me who aren't extremely smart, and math is a strong suit for. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to do a deeper dive into some of the players in this division <laughs> to have a good idea of who we might go with on that question. All right. Well, we have laid it all out there. Let's talk about the National League Central. This is one of our favorite ones to preview. In the last two years, we had to preview all of Major League Baseball in one podcast. And now this division gets its own episode. So I think we are about to strike gold here. This is going to be a great one. Well, yeah, because normally when we're talking the entire MLB, we kind of have to shorten some of our takes with specific teams, especially in this division, because we can get really (laughs) long at times. But yeah, now that we have a a full podcast, it should be fun and uh, give us a chance to really get deeper into some of these rosters and give better breakdowns. So the thing that I think is most attractive to the National League Central, especially if we get a shortened season here, I think that's really going to open up the window of competition here between teams. There's going to be less of a margin for error. And if you get off to a slow start, you might not recover from that. But this is a division that traditionally beats up on itself. There are four teams that you were looking at look pretty close together in terms of picking if you had to bet on one of the teams to win the NL Central. Is that correct? Yeah, the top four teams in this division are just four games apart uh, in terms of their preseason over-unders on their win totals. And along with that, too, in terms of like the betting odds and stuff, uh, there's one team that's a favorite at plus 220, and then the fourth team is plus 300. So that kind of shows how close the top four teams are uh, when, you're, when you're trying to decide who to bet on to win this division. And then there's the Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> and they are a plus... 8,500 jacks. You can see the separation from that plus 300 to plus 8,500. <laughs> Just a little bit there. Uh, my, oh my. Well, it seems that it seems that there are three teams, in my opinion, in the National League that are just the clear favorites to finish in the basement of their division. We talked about the Miami Marlins uh, a couple months ago. 
Uh, today we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates, and eventually we will talk about the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the manager of the Giants at this point, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they uh, they hired a new guy, uh, Gabe Kapler. Uh, is that I think, playing into your decision on their, uh, <laughs> their no, preseason? No, it, it certainly is not. That organization needs to rebuild. I would agree. I think I would agree. I think it has a lot to do with the roster also that he is inheriting there. Yeah, I don't think it's really going to matter who's managing them for the next couple of years. <laughs> I would agree. They need a full turnover. But the Pirates also have a new manager. Clint Hurdle out from Pittsburgh this winter. A somewhat shocking decision, I thought. Uh, and Derek Shelton, the rookie manager, steps in. This is a team that won 69 games last year. What are you looking at with the Pirates? Well, I, I do think it's an intriguing aspect that they have a new manager just because it, it does feel like, you know, Hurdle had been there for so long. Jack, I think he started in like 2010, 2011. Uh, so he did have a very extended run with the Pirates. Um, so that's kind of, that's an aspect to, to me that kind of is intriguing on them. Along with that, I, I do like some of the guys in their lineup. Uh, they do have a nice little middle infield and along with that, really a nice infield as a whole, um, with obviously Josh Bell kind of leading the pack there. Um, but apart from that, it's kind of hard to find a lot of, uh, you know, bright spots heading into this season. Their pitching rotation is not one that I would label as uh, anywhere close to near the <laughs> top of the league. I would have them probably bottom five at least heading into this season. And I think that's kind of that. Interesting. That, that is kind of a look, uh, in my opinion, of kind of why they think they're going to be so bad in terms of like Vegas. I don't think their starting pitching is going to be very good at all. Um, they still have Chris Archer kind of at the top there. And then it, you know, after that, it's a bunch of guys who at times, I think, have had some success in the majors. Trevor Williams had a really good 2018. and then Yeah, he was like, excellent in the second half of 2018 and, and really, last really year. Good. Yeah, he really, what happened to him? No one really understands. There, there yeah. were a couple guys, like similarly, Kyle Freeland on the Colorado Rockies. He put mm-hmm. in a Cy Young caliber 2018 and last year got sent down to AAA. There were a couple, couple of guys like that last year, and Trevor Williams was one of them. Yeah, and it, he, I mean, yeah, he won 14 games back in 2018, and then last year kind of fell off the face of the earth. And along with that, Jack, from like the the minimal spring training that they had had, um, he didn't have a very good spring either heading into this season. Uh, so <laughs> you have to wonder if maybe he's able to get back to that 2018 form. But that's the kind of the, the the kind of thing this team's going to need to kind of hang around. I think some of these pitchers. Uh, Joe Musgrove, kind of another one, and Derek Howland may make this rotation as well. Um, Chris Archer as well. I think he's one, of, in my opinion, one of the more overrated starters in the league. Um, and I guess maybe not even at this point because, you know, he was highly touted for a couple years there. But at this point, he kind of is what he is. Um, but, I mean, he's shown some potential here and there, but has never really put it together consistently. So to me, I think the starting pitching jack is really going to hold them back. Uh, they have a pretty weak outfield as a whole, in my opinion, too. Um, Brian Reynolds had a solid season a year ago. He had a great season last yeah, year. Uh, yeah, really nice season. Polanco kind of, he was kind of had an injury riddled 2019. Um, 
So maybe he stays healthy and gets back to form because he did have a nice power season back in 2018. Um, but yeah, I think the starting pitching holds them back. Uh, and I just don't think the lineup as a whole is good enough to kind of keep them around. It was interesting going into last year, what we were saying about the Pirates. I At least I, I know I was hyping up their pitching staff. I said this pitching staff might be the best or at least second to the Cardinals in this division. They have a very promising young pitching staff. And then we, we said the problem is can they score enough runs? And then with the Reds, <laughs> we said, well, they need improvement on their pitching staff. Well, they ended up having the second or third lowest ERA in the National League last year, <laughs> and they couldn't score runs. And we'll talk about the Reds a little later. So that was an interesting little shift there between those two teams. They made some interesting moves because you go back, they trade Eric Cole. It indicates rebuild. And then what ends up happening the next year, they overachieve in the first half and they end up buying at the deadline, getting Chris Mm -hmm. Archer, an inferior pitcher to Garrett Cole. (laughs) And Chris Archer, a guy that I thought get him out of the AL East and you may see his ERA lower by a run. Instead, it went up by a run last year. He had an ERA over five. It was unbelievable. I I just don't really know what's going on with Chris Archer. Well, yeah, he's a, a really interesting case because I, I I wanted to say kind of overrated, but at this point, like it's been what since 2015 maybe that he really kind of put it together because he had a couple really nice seasons when he got into the league with the Rays and. Ever since, it seems like, you know, he's kind of highly touted. He's talked about consistently when it comes to, like, the trade deadline. And he's just never really... Maybe not seen, anymore. Yeah, maybe <laughs> not anymore. Maybe not anymore. But he's, he's just never seemed to figure it out, Jack, and really been able to put it fully together post... Yeah, I think it was 2015. So, you know, he's another one who maybe is able to figure it out, but it, it's been a long time since Archer's kind of been a good pitcher consistently in this league. Interesting little fact here that a lot of people don't know. Interesting trivia. Joe Musgrove and Stephen Brault, another pitcher with this team, another young pitcher. Those guys were high school teammates out in California. Interesting. Thank God you didn't ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I would have known the answer. (laughs) Stephen Brault is becoming one of the most interesting personalities in the game of baseball. I'm not going to put you on the spot, Jordan. Um, <laughs> a lot of people don't know about Stephen Brault, though. Stephen Brault, he was over uh, spring training, one of the last spring training games I remember watching this year before everything got shut down. He wasn't pitching that day. He was in the booth, and he was an excellent broadcaster. Really? Yeah. He was. He's very sharp. He's very bright. He also has sung uh, the national anthem at several games that they've had when he has not been pitching. He has an excellent singing voice, and he just (laughs) released his uh, first musical album, A Pitch at Broadway, where he sings Broadway songs. (laughs) You have the full breakdown on Stephen Brawl here, Jack. (laughs) Is he going to be... Because now that the season's been pushed back, I know he had shoulder issues in spring training. Is there any news on whether he'll be ready to go come whenever the season begins? 
I'm not sure, but I, I'm okay. sure he is enjoying uh, getting getting a chance to plug that album, get that album out there <laughs> to the masses. He actually has taken over the MLB Instagram a couple times during this lockdown. It's been pretty entertaining. So if you guys, they, I'm just I like to uncover gems here for the listeners. Stephen Brault, good guy to check out on social media. Good guy to just follow as we are attempting to try to let the fans see a little more personality of some of these players uh, when they're not on the ball field. Well, yeah. And any player that's kind of pushing a a personality kind of into the forefront for the league, I think is very, a very, very good thing. So shout out Steven Brawl for that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's interesting. I think there are a lot of very interesting guys, even if they don't even necessarily have to throw their bat or flip their bat or do anything like that but you hear them in the interviews and you just you want it you want to get more from these guys he's a prime intentional talk interview on mlb network <laughs> <laughs> well when throwing your bats kind of the easy way to create a little personality <laughs> the ones that actually have to go out and do some work for it, i mean that's that that's what the game needs more of so yeah. shout out we need more of that yeah so i totally agree hopefully it becomes more of kind of a uh, consistent thing throughout the league. Joe Musgrove. I'm still pretty high on him. I think he can be an ace in this league. Uh, We will see what he puts together. He's already 27, which is surprising. It feels like he's younger than that, but he has ace type of stuff. If he can put it all together and so does Trevor Williams. So really those two guys, I'm excited to watch the most on their pitching staff. And then uh, Archer, it's just I, I can't totally understand can't behind him. <laughs> <laughs> if they can get a little more out of Archer, now maybe you're if you get Chris Archer of 2015. Now uh, maybe you have something there in a shortened season if those three guys can uh, give you a big boost. But quite frankly, I'm just not seeing it with this team. Yeah, maybe Archer figures it out on kind of the really low expectations of the team as a whole. So there should be really zero pressure. Yeah. Um, from a standpoint, sometimes that can help guys out. So maybe that helps him on his end. You touched on Musgrove. Yeah, this is his fifth, what, fifth year in the league now already. Um, I, I want to say he probably does have the best stuff on this staff. Um, but whether he's able to figure it out as a whole and kind of put everything together, that's a big question mark as he kind of hasn't shown that throughout a full season so far. So that is one way to kind of upgrade this staff. And I think the only other way is Trevor Williams kind of getting back to that 2018 form. All of a sudden, if those two get back to form and then, and then Archer is able to find a little something, then the staff looks a little better than I'm projecting. Yeah, totally. And couple of couple of bats I'd like to talk about. You mentioned Brian Reynolds. He was leading the league in batting average for much of last season. He was right up there, uh, finished above 300, I believe. He's a good guy to watch out for. He was. It's really interesting in this league how it seems like almost everyone is having these guys that they bring up right now, and they're getting that type of contribution out of rookies. He was. He had a really really nice rookie campaign. Yeah, it's, it's 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 really crazy how these guys are able to come right up from the minors and just come into the majors with little trouble in the transition. Um, and it seems like, Jack, it seems like a lot of them will get off to hot starts as rookies, and then that second and third years are kind of really telling to whether yeah. they can kind of maintain that production that they had as a rookie, kind of as more major league teams get more tape on some of these guys. But, yeah, Reynolds put together a fantastic rookie campaign, and we'll see if he can kind of keep it going. Yeah, Kevin Newman also 
had a very nice year last year. Josh Bell was an MVP candidate for the first half, and I don't he didn't finish that high in the second half, but he, he had a really, really good year. He was a guy that you and I both, I believe, were high on last year coming in as a guy who could take that next step and blossom into a star. He was mm-hmm. in the home run derby. He's a good player to watch out for. He's a blossoming star. And I guess the last guy, as I mentioned, Kevin Newman, I love the fact that the Pirates on any given night for our Seinfeld listeners have the potential of throwing a Newman and Kramer double play combo out there for <laughs> the fans to see. There you go. There's the the one-two punch up the middle. <laughs> Newman That's and Kramer. They, is, is that their game plan to have Kramer play second base? Because I know Fra- Adam Frazier played well for them a year ago as well. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see. I know there was talks in the uh, in spring training that Frazier could probably be more of a utility guy and play some second in the outfield. So maybe that's kind of where it opens up the opportunity. But as a whole, Jack, I mean, they got really good production from their entire infield a year ago. And you touched on Josh Bell. I think the big thing with him was the the year before, I mean, he was still a solid player at 265. But his power numbers from a year, he went from 12 homers to 37. So that was the big jump yeah. from last year. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see if Bell can kind of continue to continue to get better because it really does look like after that's one season going from 12 to 37 bombs (laughs) that's a big time up in the production so if he's able to continue to get better there like you said i think there's true star potential there yeah and i believe last year was only his third year in the league i think 2017 was that uh rookie year where he finished behind bellinger in the rookie of the year voting yeah i mean he got better across the board too batting average up on base percentage up RBI is way up. He drove at 118 runs a year ago. So, yeah, it was a really, really good campaign from Josh Bell. So, obviously, he's one to look out for here, too. So, okay, Jordan, can you give me the over-under total for 162 with this team? The over-under for the Pittsburgh Pirates is 69 and a half, Jack. And a year ago, they won 69. Yeah, Yeah, last year, 69 and 93. Yep. (sighs) That's a that's a really good number because they're not a horrible club. They're not a, like a team that we're looking at. I mean, they they could fall into losing a hundred. They could. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at the t- division last year. How much better is the division from last year? Do these win totals say the same distributed across the other four teams? I I, I don't know. I I think it's interesting. What would you have? I think I would take them slightly under Jack. Yeah. Um, just because I think the Reds are a lot better this year. Um, and I think for the most part, those other three teams uh, will, will be right in the hunt. And I, they'll be obviously very competitive all year. So I think it's just a very tough division. I think probably a couple games under that 69 and a half, maybe 66. Okay. I will say I'll go, I'll go 68. I'll say, right I under. think. Yeah, I'd say right under. I do think the one difference between last year and this year is that last year they went into the season thinking that maybe they could be one of those wild card teams. Mm-hmm. And hey, we'll see in a shortened season with expanded playoffs. Maybe they have the same type of idea that they might want to try to sneak in there and they go for it. But in a regular 162, this is a team that you would think is rebuilding and maybe considering if you get a nice first half out of Archer, maybe he's a guy you flip. 
he's the perfect guy to flip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels like he's been, I could be wrong. It feels like he's been on the trade or the, he's been on the market and come trade deadline time, like the past three or four seasons. He is always a name right there. <laughs> so I would not be one bit surprised if that was the case again here, Jack in 2020. Also, I'm looking at their roster. They have him listed at six, two. I, I did not think he was above six feet. Uh, yeah, I would have. I would have said probably right around six feet, maybe six one. <laughs> I thought he was like five ten. I thought he was like my height. Oh gee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you might need to take a look at Archer when he's pitching a time or two this season. <laughs> but yeah, Archer in terms of personalities, he's he's got a good one. He's a funny guy. Yeah, definitely fun guy to have around the clubhouse. All right, let's. Here's how I want to do this. Let's work from the bottom up from last year. So let's talk about last year's fourth place Cincinnati Reds. Okay, the good old Red. I mean, Jack, this is probably the I want. I want to say almost the most talked about team in this division, given their <laughs> offseason. Would you agree? Out of all the small market teams in baseball, <laughs> this one generated the most buzz. I would agree. Because you can't really compare what yeah. Chicago is going to say versus and always what the Cardinals fans are going to say. But the Reds did get some attention across the across the nation this offseason. Yeah, and I, and I think for good reason, to be honest with you, Jack. Uh, I mean, this is a team that, like we mentioned a year ago, and I think neither of us had them projected to have great years, but I think we thought there was a chance of maybe a run. Um, maybe a wild card run from this team a year ago. Um, but now all of a sudden is where you, you kind of really open up the opportunity given some of the moves they made in the off season, specifically taking Nick Castel- Castellanos. 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 Yeah. Nick no Castellanos. one gets it right though, Jordan. I'm not, I won't <laughs> even have to cut that. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thank you, Jack. Uh, but yeah, Nick Castellanos that, I mean, Jack, to me, this was a very underrated move. Um, it was one that was kind of talked about. Uh, he was kind of talked about for a while there as one of the more underrated guys in the free agent market, given how well he played for the Cubs yeah. after they made that move. Um, but it's not just that. I mean, he's been a consistently good hitter in this league. Um, he's a doubles it, machine. <laughs> doubles machine. I mean, he hits for good average. Solid on base percentage, slugged well. I mean, he's a guy who brings a lot to a lineup. And, Jack, this is already a lineup with a, a lot of dangerous bats. You talk about Vada, you talk about Moustakis, you talk about Suarez, you talk about Senzel. I mean, this is a lineup now that all of a sudden has a lot of dynamic to it and is a deep lineup, too. And along with that, Jack, give me the number again, but the, the Reds' pitching rotation a year ago was quietly really, really good. Yeah, it was. I think it was the Dodgers had the lowest ERA mm-hmm. in the National League. I could be the Reds may have actually had the lowest, but I believe it was you had the Cardinals, Braves, Dodgers, and Reds were making up that top four in terms of lowest ERA last season. Exactly, and now all of a sudden that rotation you still have you have Bauer there now um, for another year. He he had to sign with them, right? He was a free agent and signed a one year. No, he got traded over there last year after that uh, blow up he had in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, I recall, but I do think they had to re-sign him in this. I think he was a free. Yeah, well, okay, it was to avoid arbitration. That's what it was. A one year, seventeen point five million to avoid arbitration. Got it. Um, and that kind of opens the door. I mean, this is a team now with a couple really good arms. Sonny Gray still there. Luis Castillo still there. Um, and it's a deep rotation too. I mean, the Wade Miley 
as a five in a rotation is, yeah. a, is a very, very solid option, Jack. A year ago, won 14 games and under a four ERA for Houston. I mean, this is a team now that is very well-rounded and seems primed to make a run. Um, I will note, according to Vegas, they're the third-ranked team in this division in terms of uh, if, if you're picking one to win the division. So I'll keep that in your mind. But I, okay. I like a lot of what they've done, and I, I, I think this is a dangerous team, Jack, from top to bottom. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about this pitching staff here. So Trevor Bauer, they're going to need more out of him than what they they paid a lot for him at the deadline. And he did not have a great adjustment into that hitter's park there in Cincinnati. So that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. I like Trevor Bauer a lot. I think he will perform better than he did last season, but he's going to need to in order for them to contend this year. Yeah, and an import, it's important to note, too, he obviously had that really good 2018 for Cleveland, but really, for the most part, I mean, he won a lot of games in Cleveland, but he's always kind of been a 4-1 to a 4-5 ERA guy. Um, yeah. So it is important to note that, you know, he kind of has that one outlier of the 2.21 ERA back in 2018, but you kind of have to expect a round of four from Bauer, um, given kind of the way he's performed since he's been in the league. But 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 like you like you said, kind of with, with how much they gave up, and I mean it's on a seventeen point. But you you need you need some top tier production from Bauer from for this year. And I believe either after the the end of this season or the end of next season, he could just bolt as a free agent. I believe it's the end of this year. Yeah, that one year. Let's see. I'll, I'll confirm. It's but yeah, final year before hitting free agency. This this is. This is kind of a prove it, and it could be a good thing for the Reds too. They're getting Bauer on kind of a prove it type deal now, yeah. Where you know he's playing for his next contract this year, but along with that, that given what they gave up in the deal, that kind of also makes it a dangerous play as well. Yeah, they gave up Taylor Trammell, who has been compared to Andrew McCutcheon as a prospect. So giving up a potential young Kutch, that that's that's a lot. <laughs> That's not something you, you love to do as a fan at any point in time. I love to say that. <laughs> Huge shout out to Sonny Gray for what he did last year. I remember we were talking about this last year, and Sonny Gray was on, at least he was on my radar. I re- I was like, Sonny Gray, I the thing I had heard about him over the course of his career, this guy does not like this big city. He doesn't like being in the limelight. He wants to just, he thrived in Oakland and then he was with the Yankees and the Yankees did not have a lot of depth in their rotation at the time. So they were counting on him to be the guy in New York. It wasn't a really a good match well, for him. It's not an easy Yankees. thing to do. No, <laughs> it's not, never an easy thing to do. <laughs> and so Sonny Gray, comes over to Cincinnati for Shed Long. And Shed Long, hey, nice player, but the Reds have a lot of infielders. They have a lot of outfielders. They didn't really have anywhere for Shed Long to play. They just had to eat Sonny Gray's salary. And that paid dividends for them last year. Sonny Gray was right up there as a top five National League pitcher for last season in terms of performance. And right alongside him, Luis Castillo, who seemingly a lot of people still don't know a whole lot about well yeah and he's he's kind of a very up-and-coming arm that pretty soon everybody's gonna know a lot about (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, he's only 20 
he's only 27. I mean, a year ago kind of really broke through with the 15 and eight season and the 3.4 year. Right? A note on Sonny Gray too. I mean, to me, he's kind of been underrated his entire career now. Five of his seven years in the in the majors have been really good. Like he's put together yeah. a really nice career now. He's had two outlier seasons where he really couldn't get it together that year with the Yankees. Um, and I think it was his last year with the A's as well. Yeah, he got traded midseason. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't have a great year there. But for the most part, he's really put together a nice career, and he, he proved it again last year. And now you have Castillo, kind of that young, uh, you know, little bit of everything type arm at the top. Um, and then you have like Bowers coming in here as what a three? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is, is he going to be labeled as the three in this rota- rotation? And like we touched on Wade Miley, and let's not and Jack. They also have Anthony DiSclafani who put together a nice year for them as well too. I mean, Jack, up top and bottom, this is a really nice rotation. Um, there's just so much to like about the rotation as a whole, uh, and I think it makes them that specifically. And let's not even touch the bats yet. That alone makes them dangerous in this division. And we haven't even talked about the fact that they might have the best bullpen in this division, for that matter, too, with Michael Lorenzen, Rossell Iglesias, and Amir Garrett. Is there a better one, two, three for a seven, eight, nine bullpen in this division off the top of your head? I, I there isn't for me. I mean, it's a really nice group to the cap off a nice seven inning one earned start from Sonny Gray. That's for <laughs> sure. I mean, you didn't even touch on Pedro Strop. Yeah, I was going to mention, and so you got those top three guys. Pedro Strope comes over at times as the top reliever for the Cubs. And personally, I think Pedro Strope, now look, he's 34, which is unbelievable because he still looks like he's 26. Uh, He's in (laughs) unbelievable shape. Have you seen how jacked this guy is? I have not, no. He's huge, and it it doesn't seem like he's 34. But you know what? I think he's got a lot left in the tank. I also thought that the way that Joe Madden managed the bullpen, I don't think Pedro Strope was put into the best situations. At at times, he was overused. So if Pedro Strope is one of your middle relievers as your potential number four or number five guy, that's a lot of depth in your bullpen. Well, and he's a guy who's had a ton of success check in the majors. From 2015 to 2018, I mean, he was really, really good in that Cubs bullpen. Um, I mean, never had an ERA over two nine one. It was as low as what two two one. I mean, he was yeah. He was really good, and along with that, really consistent. So last year was kind of a, a big outlier for him, and now you yeah now he's coming in as kind of he can be the four in this bullpen. That's a really nice luxury to have if you're the Reds. Yeah, Robert Stevenson, another solid bullpen arm. Tyler Malley is a guy who's bounce back and forth in between that bullpen and as a spot starter and has shown some promise. So in terms of just bullpen and pitching rotation combination, I think this is the strongest entering the season in this division. Uh, Yeah, I think I would agree as a whole. One last thing on the pitching here. How about Michael Lorenzen? How awesome is he? A guy that can come in can throw upper 90s, and then he's going to play center field for you and hit some home runs as a pinch hitter. <laughs> he's one of those kind of do-it-all type guys. Yeah. For he's sure. fun to watch. I would agree. <laughs> All right, and so in this batting order, now run production was a big problem for them last year. They go out, they add Castellanos, as you mentioned, 
and they also had Mike Moustakis. They subtracted Scooter Jeanette, who they gave away for free, at the deadline last year. And really, I, that's the one thing I can't understand is why he isn't on a roster right now. What's going on there? Who knows? But Moustakis is not a natural second baseman. It seemed a little interesting to me that they went after Moose, paid him the big money, which he is worth, but there's already set at third base with Suarez. To me, that seems like a move almost just to add another big bat into the mix, yeah. Jack. Um, I think it, it's kind of one of those where you make the move and you kind of just try and figure it out defensively. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, obviously he's a natural third baseman, but obviously Suarez is going to play there. Um, and along with that, too, I, I do think it's important to note he's going to be working with, uh, in terms of up the middle, in my opinion, one of the best shortstops in the game yeah. um, defensively. Uh, in term, <laughs> uh, when we're talking Freddie Galvis, I think he's been robbed of multiple gold gloves throughout his career. He's just phenomenal defensively. Um, so that may be uh, another thought, too, is I think Galvis can cover a lot of extra ground there. Um, and then I kind of hope Moustakis kind of figures it out a second. Yeah. Joey Votto is going to need to have a, a better year this year than he has had the last two years. I remember in 17... I thought he should have been the MVP. He had an amazing year. He still always is going to have a great OBP. He draws an insane amount of walks, and you see his approach is still great, but age 36, they need more production out of Votto for this team to make that next step. Well, my big worry with him, Jack, is where is the power gone? As we've seen across the league, home run numbers are going up and up and up. Why are Vados sinking so much since in that 2017 run, he had 36 bombs the past two years, 12 and then 15 last year. That's kind of where Vado needs to figure it out. And specifically, I I know in this lineup, it might be maybe more important for him to get on base consistently with some of the guys that'll be around him. But wow, I mean, you have some serious power now in Mustaka, Suarez and Senzel. If you can find, if Vado can get back to 20, 25 homers, all of a sudden that makes a huge difference in this lineup. Yeah, and how about the fact they have a million outfielders? They, <laughs> they really have so many outfielders. Aristides Aquino was a guy who came up last year, and he hit like 12 homers over in like 10 games or something like that. It was ridiculous. You remember the Aquino mania last season? <laughs> that was, was that, yeah, that was before Minshew mania. That was the, <laughs> that was the first mania of the year, yep. <laughs> yes. Maybe not the it better was like one. But. Late August. <laughs> yeah, but he had a nice little run there for a while. So be interesting to see what they get out of him, age twenty six. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Where do, you, he had where, a, do you, where do you go there though, Jack? Because yeah. I mean, they have Sensel and Castellanos out there. Where? Well, and they also have Shogo Akayama, who they. That's that's where I was going. They, who I, I believe was set to be maybe their leadoff. Yeah, guy heading it like in the spring. That was kind of their decision. Was he was going to be their leadoff guy? So all of a sudden, you know, is there room? to get Aquino in there consistently. Were the Reds in on this plan for the universal DH? Like, have they been in on this the whole time? They're like, yeah. It makes, I'll, I'll tell you what, it makes a whole lot of sense looking at the way they've kind of put the roster together. They're like, okay, we know that there's going to be this coronavirus, and it's going to shorten the season. We're going to need a DH, and we are set. We can DH Castellanos, 
And it's interesting. I'm looking at their list of outfielders. Now, granted, not all these guys are going to make the roster, but we haven't even mentioned Scott Shebler, who spent some time in the minors last year. Jesse Winker, who the first two years of his career, he was around a 300 batting average and a 400 OBP. He was a guy I thought was going to take a leap last year as an everyday player. It didn't quite happen, but there's potential there. Josh Van Meter, another guy they plugged in there at one point last year. Travis Jankowski, one of the fastest base runners in the league. And then Philip Irvin, another do-it-all type of uh, utility guy. These outfielders could help out pretty much any team, and they have like nine of them. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting scenario. And now you touched on that DH thing. It seems like this might be one of the teams that would benefit the most yes. um, in the National League from that standpoint of having kind of that universal DH. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how they go about it. Um, because I know in the spring they kind of said Akiyama is going to be our leadoff guy, which I imagine means he's going to be their everyday left fielder. That's going to leave Aquino on the bench, which, I mean, he had 20 bombs in a pretty short period of time last year. Um, and this, I mean, this team as a whole has so much power. Freddie Galvis hit 23 bombs last year. So there's just, there's power all over. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's going to be something really interesting to follow to see kind of how they handle their outfield uh, and how many starts some of these guys get. I love how their problem was run production. And they said, how are we going to solve that problem? Let's hit up two Greek players. Let's get those two Greek guys with Moustakis and <laughs> Castellanos. They'll solve the problem. <laughs> to be fair, those are two very, <laughs> very good in terms of production guys. So I, if you're going to pick two Greek guys in the MLB, those are probably two of the better ones to go with. Yeah, probably the two best. Yeah. <laughs> no other name is coming to mind here so we'll roll well, Giannis is probably going to join the Reds bandwagon at some point <laughs> he's gonna jump on the train <laughs> they get off to a hot start all right so at my last point with this team and this is what I think is what it's ultimately going to come down to I would say and I'm, I'm curious where what your thoughts on this idea are my take I was I was thinking about this I've been thinking about this for months with the Reds, I don't think there's a manager besides David Bell who has as important a job as he does this season because this team, like we talked about last year, made that trade for Bauer at the deadline, and they've been trying to shed that culture of losing. That's a hard thing to shed. That's a tough thing. You need to be able to push this thing forward. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think David Bell comes into play. He's going to need to do an outstanding job in changing culture. This is only a second year with the club, but I think there's a great amount of importance on him as a manager this season. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, obviously, when you're trying to break through a culture like that, uh, I think the manager probably plays a bigger role rather than jumping into one that's been winning consistently. Um, and along with that, if the team gets off to a slow start, I mean, this is a talented team from top to bottom. So there's one guy who's going to be looked at if this team kind of struggles early on, and that's going to be the manager. Um, so I would agree with that, Jack. I think there is some, I, I don't want to say a ton of pressure, but I do think there's some added pressure here. I think this team, I think they need to perform obviously a, a lot better than they did a year ago, but this team needs to be right there in terms of competing with some of these other 
top teams in this division. Um, if they're going to be, if, if Bell is going to want to be considered to do, be doing a good job. And they got to hit the ground running from the start. They need to win right away because you lose, you start out three and, uh, three and nine, you may be buried in an 80 game season. <laughs> well, yeah. And especially given how competitive we kind of expect this division to be, there's not going to be many easy wins. Um, whereas in some of the other divisions, you get to beat up on some, some weaker teams. We think four of these teams are probably going to be right there. So I would agree with you. But I will say that adding Moose and adding Castellanos, those are the veteran guys that you want because with Vado, there's a lot of veteran leadership there that you can potentially change culture there. And Castellanos is just like, this guy is so hungry to win. You saw it down the stretch of last season. We will talk about the Cubs in a short bit, but it was surprising to me that the Cubs would see a guy like Castellanos who is so hungry to win as a veteran and he's only he's only 28 but it seems like he's got this maturity of like a 33 year old grizzly veteran mm-hmm. and you just see the way he leads a team that's something that I think has been lacking from the Cubs over the last few years ever since David Ross retired and uh we'll, we'll definitely be talking about David he's Ross back. today He's, he's back. back. He's Maybe back that's what they need. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, with the Reds, I think they have a really nice combination of young talent and then good veteran leadership, too. Freddie Gallis is another guy. He's a really good locker room guy. He was always highly praised for the way he uh, handled the locker room uh, or within the locker room in Philly. Um, and I've only heard good things since he's left as well. Then, of course, you have, like, the young guys. You have the Senzels, and it feels like Suarez is young, but he's 28, too. So all of a sudden, I mean, from top to bottom, it's a really nice roster. It's really well developed. I think the keys are here, Jack, to put together a really good 2020. All right, Jordan, what's the over-under total for 162? The over-under total is 83.5. Jack, they won 75 a year ago. Yeah, I would go over that. I would think that this is a team that I think is has the best chance of be other than my division favorite, who I will reveal uh, in a little bit, uh, but the f- I guess I can give it away. The odds-on favorite is the Cardinals. But yeah. after the Cardinals, if you want to talk about who has the best chance to win this division, I think it's the Cincinnati Reds. Now, I do not have them as my division champs, and I think they're right in that wild card mix as potentially that second team in or maybe the the first team out, uh, depending on how the maybe the Arizona Diamondbacks look this season. I think the Diamondbacks are a team that might be being slept on a little bit, but I think they're going to be in the mix right there. So I will go. Let's say, let's say a nice uh, eighty-seven wins for the Cincinnati Reds. All right, Jack. So you're going over. I think I would go over that as well. Um... Look, every year we have a couple of these teams, right? These teams that kind of get talked about heavily in the offseason. They're coming off, you know, pretty mediocre years, and it's like maybe they break through this next upcoming year. I'm kind—I of, think I'm with you on the thought process behind uh, behind the Cardinals. I think they have the best chance to win the division. But my worry here is, I also think there is a floor, yeah, um, where it, it might be a little lower than the other two teams in terms of the Cubs and Brewers that worries me a little bit where if these guys get off to a slow start, all of a sudden you have manager questions, you're dealing with that the entire year long. Um, 
So there, I think this is a it's a dangerous team to make a a, a bet on. I I would call. Um, I think I would go over the eighty three and a half. Though I think eighty four, eighty five. Okay. So they do that. You know they improved by eight to ten games from a year ago. Um, I I think they'll be right around that kind of second wild card spot, but I don't know if I would have them in. All right. Yeah. So I, we're on the same page with this club. We can move on. I guess it can't be overstated that the roster and the talent is all there for this club. They just need to shed that culture of losing. Yeah, and, and I think it's 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 fun to talk about. Let's see them do it. <laughs> I agree. Okay, so last year, the third place team in the National League Central was the Chicago Cubs, and they had a season last year where they started slow and they finished slow. And really, it's interesting. If you dissect that Cubs season, so they end up 84 and 78. They had an amazing month of April, I believe it was, from around, I want to say it was like mid to early April to around mid to early May. And from that point on, they were essentially averaged out as a 500 team between everything outside of that month. And it kind of it kind of felt like that, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it felt like for the most part of the season they were kind of just playing really average baseball and could never really kick it into that elite year. Yeah, we go into the winter, and really, Jordan, I don't, I know you're not as plugged into Cubs Twitter and Chicago <laughs> news as I am, but I'm curious, what were you hearing from the fans as last season unfolded? What what were your thoughts? Well, but yeah, the the majority of the talk obviously was around Madden and kind of what what was going to end up happening there. Um, and honestly, I didn't, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure it was the end for Joe Madden. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, um, I thought maybe there was a chance he hung on and kind of got to see the end of this current core because obviously we might talk about this, Jack. This the the current you know four or five bats that have been here for the past couple of years it, when it comes to the contract side of things it's getting to the point where they're gonna have to make this, some decisions so i thought maybe madden would hang on another year to see maybe if he could turn it around and figure it out um but obviously that didn't happen and i think the, the majority of talk was really surrounded by that and then the next talk that happened around the the, the cubs twittersphere if you want to call it <laughs> is the whole chris bryant thing uh, yeah. i mean it's it's no secret jack he was shopped around or at least they were saying he was being shopped around for a long it felt like a long period of yes. time almost to the point where it felt like you know bryant was not going to be a cub heading into this year yeah um so those were the two big hot topics in the offseason obviously bryant survived uh all the trade talks and he's back but uh madden obviously didn't and now uh the cubs are in a very interesting transition into you know a really veteran-led manager in terms of Joe Madden to a first-time manager and former teammate of a lot of these guys in David Ross. You hinted at it. I thought it seemed, okay, Madden is going to be out, but that's not going to be the one change to this club. It seemed, based on what all the fans were suspecting, this team needs to make some changes to its current ball club because... They're stuck in a place of complacency and mediocrity, and they've opted to keep this entire core in place since they won the World Series, 
and really have just naturally regressed each season since then. They go from 2016 to the next season, 2017. They end up getting not they didn't get the gentleman's sweep in the <laughs> NLCS. And now, granted, hey, they did make the NLCS, but that's a step down from where they were a year before that. So then you go to 2018. Now they're in the wild card game, going from back to back division champ to wild card. And then 2019, not even sniffing the playoffs entirely, you are looking at a club that's actively regressing. It seemed that the front office was going to do maybe a couple things here, change things up, and maybe bring back a guy like Castellanos, maybe add a couple of veteran contact bats. Uh, But this is still a team that's built around the long ball. It's very boom or bust. They've lost a lot of pieces from that championship team that they haven't been able to adequately replace. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Um, And I think my big worry, Jack, with this team heading into this year is, look, a year ago... You know, you ha- you missed Baez for a period, a short period. You know, he missed some games last year um, due to injury, and Contreras did too. But the core five, if those two are included with Bryant, Rizzo, and Schwarbert, Jack, they all had pretty dang good years last year. And the big worry here is that's a team that finished third in the division. Um, yeah. So, that, I mean, that, if that's your core and you're getting good years, and, I mean, when Contreras and, obviously, Javi were on the field, you know, they, they put together really nice years, too. You had five good years from your five core guys, and you end up third in the division. So that that's what worries me about this team is, um, you know, even when the stars are producing, is there enough behind that group to where, and I guess part of that looks at the pitching side of things, but is there enough yeah. behind that group to where, is it really going to matter, you know, if Bryant... Rizzo and Baez all put together really nice seasons. Is that enough? And I think it's a really fair question as a whole. I mean, you got kind of the same that you had um, from Hendricks. And I mean, Darvish put together a better season a year ago than what he had been giving them. But here's the big part, Jack. John Lester took a serious regression a year ago. Yeah, Um, and He was excellent for the first two months. And then Father Time caught up with him, I think. Kind of, yeah. And, and I mean, to be fair, I think we all knew it was coming. You know, he's yeah. 36 now. He's not going to be an elite pitcher forever. So my question with you, Jack, is, you know, even if those guys have those good seasons, the top five, is that enough? Can this team win a division, you know, with the with what they have behind them? They didn't make any adjustments to the pitching staff as well. Yeah, and I was just about to mention the pitching staff. So mm-hmm. they've really... They've never had a great pitching staff, but they had a really good one when Jake Arrieta was a beast in uh, yep. 2015 and 2016. He was amazing for the Cubs. We all wish he was still at that level, Jack. We all <laughs> <wish>. <laughs> but that was, a, that was a good rotation back then. John Lackey as sort of your fourth or fifth guy, and then Lester, Hendricks, Arrieta, Jason Hamill. That, that mm-hmm. was a good rotation at the time. Again... They add Quintana, they add Darvish, they pay a significantly high price in terms of money and prospect capital, and you haven't really gotten anything super exciting out of either of them. What you saw out of Darvish was encouraging for the second half of last season, but that's not something that I, I can't count on that until I see it for a full season, and this is a pitching staff. We talk about regression. 
all five of your guys in your pitching staff are in their 30s. And we were yep. just talking about these teams, <laughs> even like even the Pirates and the Reds, who the Pirates are not a team that we <laughs> love, but we like the fact that they have these young guys coming up, making a contribution. That's a sign of moving upward. I don't really see anywhere that this pitching staff, how it can improve from last year, especially when you lose Cole Hamels, who was your number two guy for the first half of last season, had a, an all-star caliber first half before he got injured. Mm-hmm. You lose yep. him, and now you're replacing him with uh, Tyler Chatwood? <laughs> well, And I think my, my thought last year, remember, specifically with this team was, if they can get to the playoffs, I trust these guys in high leverage situations. So it was going to be obviously the Hendricks, Lester, and Hamels combo. I was like, if they can get there, you know, that's a, that's a good three to have in a playoff series, uh, just because of given experience. But <laughs> Jack, I don't know if this pitching staff is good enough to get them there. I, I have to keep running. Their top five guys had great years last year. Yeah, Brian had a fantastic. See, Kyle Schwarber took a huge step forward. Yeah, and. This team ends up third in the division. Yeah. Well, and here's where, here's where people are going to disagree with us. I need to address this counterpoint. They did lose Baez, Rizzo and Bryant the final two weeks of the season. But you know what? Milwaukee Brewers lost Christian Yelich and Christian Yelich, in my opinion, (laughs) should have been the MVP last year. (laughs) He's not worth all three. (laughs) He's not worth all three, but But he definitely has a monster impact. Christian Yelich, in my opinion, my selection for the 2020 National League MVP, the Brewers lose him and they find a way into those playoffs and they somehow kick it into gear and weasel their way into the playoffs and don't really make excuses about it. And I think our, our point here, Jack, is let's not also act like they were playing fantastic baseball when yeah, all those guys were healthy. Exactly. Too. I think that's I think that's the key there. Um, it would be different if they were storming into the playoffs yeah. and those injuries occurred. Um, so yeah, I, I have big questions here. I've kind of bought into the Cubs actually, like the past couple seasons. Yeah, you have. Um, they were your NL pick last year. Yeah, I think. yeah, I've bought into them, and I. I'm really struggling to come back around. I don't like that they didn't do anything to the staff. Um, we haven't even just talked worked. about the bullpen. This is a bullpen <laughs> last year that struggled mightily. Now, I do think part of it may have been the overusage from the manager. I think there were some guys like Steve Ciszek, like Pedro Strope, who are going to excel for your team, but not when you're throwing them out there every single day. And that was a problem. But it seemed like, okay, well, what needs to happen? Let's, well, Craig Kimbrell. Let's get Craig Kimbrell. Well, Kimbrell, I expect to have a better season this year than he did last year because I would, I, w- I would expect as well. I mean, come you on. You can't go, you can't be much worse. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> to be fair, he gets a full spring training. Well, maybe he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, now you're, yeah, now you're in a interesting scenario. But yeah, go on. Yeah. I, Last year, I remember this whole thing. Oh, well, they signed Kimbrel. That's going to fix the bullpen. I'm like, that's a guy who hasn't pitched in over in almost a year, did not pitch in spring training anywhere. We saw this story with Greg Holland a year before with the Cardinals in 2018, where he missed all spring training, signs late, and was a non-factor for them. Kimbrel 
keep in mind, he did not pitch well in that postseason in 2018 for the Red Sox. So it does seem that we're looking at Kimbrell, who I think could still be good, could still be a contributor for this team, but we're not. I don't think we're talking about the Craig Kimbrell from seven years ago, where he was a generational closer. Yeah, downright dominant. I, I think you can expect a better year from him this year, but I wouldn't expect him to get back to elite level. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's correct me if I'm wrong here, Jack, but I think that's kind of what the Cubs need at the back end of this this pen. They're going to need Kimbrell to kind of get back to that level. Um, and it, look, we touched on the pen now. We touched on the lineup. <laughs> we touched. On, we haven't even touched on maybe the biggest change here. Um, and that is with the manager position. Yeah. The manager. I mean, Joe Madden to me, and I, I know he got so much hate throughout the, the, the last series of his Cubs career. I still think he's a fantastic manager. Um, and I think, I mean, looking across the board to me, him to David Ross is as big of a jump manager wise as probably any in the league. Uh, it, it just makes look. I don't want to. It, it, it didn't make any sense to me to go with David Ross. I think there were much better options. Let's stay there. <laughs> um, and uh, I just I have questions about David Ross's ability too. I think that that's my big thing here is I'm just not sure he's going to be great for the gig. Uh, he's going to probably clearly be a players manager. Um, and he's best friends with like all these guys most likely given his history. Um. But does that work, Jack? Will that work? And, I mean, like I touched on, I think that we're getting towards the end of this core's run together. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how Ross is able to kind of handle that uh, and how this team's able to put it together because I, I have some serious questions here. Jordan, I'm happy about the way you went about bringing up the managerial selections and all of that <laughs> because, you know what, strategically, I've addressed I feel like I wanted to address a lot of this Cubs stuff in other episodes. So I talked about the new Cubs TV deal in the White Sox podcast and comparing it to the White Sox. And we talked in the NL East about a guy like Joe Girardi joining the Phillies and how maybe it's a club like the Cubs could have benefited from him. We talked about Chris Bryant and the trade market with him in the NL East. Mm -hmm. And I've strategically made it so we would not spend a full hour on the Cubs. So if you're interested (laughs) in those topics, make sure you check out those episodes because I think this whole preview is pretty great in itself. Oh, and we talked about Joe Madden too in the AL West. So we've really, we've been able to sprinkle in the Cubs everywhere in this preview. To answer your question, Jordan... I don't, and I I have discussed this earlier on this podcast, so again, we'll try to make this brief. I discussed this with Maggie Lyon a few months ago when we were talking college hoops. I talked about this with your friend and mine, Brandon Vickery. We had an emergency podcast drop when this news (laughs) became available. I don't like the hire. I like David Ross a lot. I think the tools are there for him to be a very good manager, but... No managerial experience. I'm uh, not 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 too keen on that. And on top of that, th- I just don't think this is a great situation for him to succeed when you don't improve the roster in any way, shape, or form. It's like, okay, they added Jason Kipnis. They added Steven Souza Jr. Now, that's going to solve the problem when you change your manager. And 
I'm hoping that if this Cubs team does not get off to a good start, people aren't pointing the finger at Ross because I think at that point you should look and say, maybe this team just isn't that good, but I'm going to feel pretty bad for David Ross if that's the case because he retired a, a Cubs World Series hero, and I just hate the fact that this could go pretty sour for him, and it could happen fairly quickly. Yeah, that's always the risk, right? <laughs> when one of like the your team's greats becomes a coach or becomes the manager, that kind of adds that extra stress. You don't you don't want to discount what they've done for the organization. But you also obviously clearly want to see them succeed in their new role. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you put it well, Jack. I, I, I just think there's big question marks. He's going to be a player's coach. Is that necessarily what this roster needed? Um, look, only time will tell, but I, I think I'm with you. I think they could have went some other ways that potentially might have helped this team better in terms of their managerial decision. Yeah. <laughs> Which has been discussed plenty. So yes. Yes. Yeah. And so then the other thing I will say is the other problem with all of this, and you mentioned this, David Ross's history with being teammates with these guys, naturally they're going to be insiders and outsiders. There are certain guys who saw him as a teammate who they maybe went out to the bars with and, you know, just hung out a lot and spent a lot of time on the road. And now they're supposed to look at him as a boss figure. And look, that can happen in businesses. No, make no mistake about it. Someone can be promoted and be a boss, but this doesn't seem to work too much in sports when a guy who is a teammate now has that type of superiority over his former players. But not even, let's factor in the fact this team is not the same roster as much as they want it to be as it was in 2016. We're four years later. There are a lot of new guys in this clubhouse. How would you feel if you're, let's say, Ian Happ, and <laughs> you did not ever, I'm sure you met David Ross over the years, but you didn't go into war with him every day, and now you've got the guys like the Bryants and the Rizzos who are have very close friendships with him. I would feel like a bit of an outsider. Well, yeah, I just think it puts you in a tough position. Um, and to be quite honest with you, Jack, to me, this feels like a team that could use some youth kind of into yeah. the mix. We've seen a lot of these same guys kind of here for this entire run. Um, to me, I, you know, if they get off to a slow start, I wouldn't be surprised if they made kind of a big move at the deadline to kind of, I, I know that Cubs fans don't like to hear the word rebuild yeah. here, um, but it, I, I do think it's time if they get off to a slow start early. I think you really need to look into it and see what you can get for maybe one of your big boys. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that is a strong possibility, and that is a good lead-in to the win total. But before that, I want to make one more note. Another thing with this team that I just find very strange, why haven't they figured out middle infield? So they last year... <laughs> They move Javi over to short, and personally, I don't think he's a great defensive shortstop, but he gets the job done, so now you have to figure out second base. Second base, they had a mix of David Bodie, Daniel Descalso, Nico Horner, who's another guy who really did not get a whole lot of minor league ABs in there. I think you want to develop him a little more in the minors, and then uh, another guy who uh, now joins the club you got Jason Kipnis so they have like four different options at second base and I don't really love any of them 
<laughs> I was I was thinking as you were naming those guys, I'm like, if I'm David Ross, which one of these guys am I going to want to toss out there every day? <laughs> um, I would expect Bodie will probably take the majority of reps at least early in the season, you would think, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's not get into it, but that would be my guess. Um it's coming know. from an outsider. It's okay. Point of it's view. okay. We can uh, we can move on. Let's talk about the <laughs> over under total. So Jordan, you summed it up nicely when you said this team could very well be in a spot where hey, they're stuck in mediocrity. They're get off to a slow start. They're below average. It's time to maybe make one of those moves. Now, maybe it's Javi Baez. Maybe it's Chris Bryant. Personally, I think Chris Bryant should be a Cub for life, and I think Anthony Rizzo should be as well. There are guys that you can trade. I think Kyle Schwarber is going to be even more valuable in a universal DH league, and I think could be a really awesome DH. I'm pulling for him. He's a Hoosier. We like our Indiana boys, Jordan. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) But there's stuff that they could do. So because of that, I think that lowers their floor a little bit. I'm looking at this club as currently constructed. They're like an 81 and 81 or an 82 win team. But if they rebuild, and (laughs) they might not even need to rebuild to get to this point. (laughs) My projection, 78 wins for the Chicago Cubbies in 2020. Wow, and their projection, by the way, there is eighty-five and a half, and yeah, they won eighty-four a year ago. Yeah, that's that seems a little high to me. <laughs> I would go under two, um, but as we transition into who we're going to talk about next, Jack, I will say this does feel also like a team that could benefit from a shorter season because maybe they get I off agree. to a hot start early. Those five guys stay healthy for a run. Um, And maybe this, I don't know about 162 if this staff can maintain, but maybe the (laughs) staff pitches well for the first 40, 50 games and you're in a really good spot. It's interesting with this shortened season. I totally agree. I think this is a club that could really capitalize on that. I would not be surprised if in an 82 game season, they were to finish like 15, 20 games over 500. That, That wouldn't surprise me because I think... What would happen is you get off to a good start and now maybe you get around the trade deadline and you're looking at buying a couple guys and maybe a team like the Cardinals has a, has some injuries and there are some other teams that are riddled with injuries and hurting from this shortened season. Mm-hmm. Now the finish line's in sight and you have a nice little sprint here. I think this team could make a nice little sprint. So that'll be an interesting thing to talk about when we get back to an idea of what we'll see <laughs> on baseball this season. Exactly. So we'll have to we'll have to see, but I'm not nearly as high on the Cubs as I have been in la- the last couple of years, Jack. <laughs> it could be a good thing for Cubs fans, who knows? <laughs> it could be. It could be. I think it's interesting because it'll be interesting to see will a shortened season benefit an older team or will playing more games in a shorter amount of time potentially could that be a hindrance? to an older team or could it just be something that has no impact we'll see yeah only time will tell only time will tell all right let's hope we get that opportunity (laughs) (laughs) second place team from last year the milwaukee brewers who snuck into those playoffs people might not remember this but they were leading that wild card game and ended up choking but i think we were texting during that game we're like oh my gosh 
the Brewers could be the team that's making a run here and ends up being the Nationals. They got in without Christian Yelich, who had an MVP caliber year. This is always an interesting roster, especially considering how their front office has sort of mixed and matched players over the last couple of years. Yeah, and it, to me, the somehow, some way, Jack, yeah. they're kind of <laughs> always in the, the mix of it. Because when you think of the arms they've had throw for them over the years, you're, you're never like, wow, this is a big-time arm, this is a big-time arm, this is a big, you know. It's always staff that somehow, some way, are putting together solid seasons. And really, I mean, apart from Yelich, you look at you know, kind of the, some of the staples in this lineup. Um, and I guess Kane's kind of been one over the past couple of years, but he hasn't been nearly as good as he was. Um, who was it with the Royals, right? Yeah. Um, and then you look back. Well, yeah, I guess he had the one nice year. He had the really good year the first year and then kind of fell off a little bit last year. And then, I mean, Braun is still there. <laughs> but it's kind of like this team seems to have done a really nice job over the years staying competitive. Um, and putting themselves in a position where Yelich is obviously the forefront guy, but he's got enough around him to where they're right there year in, year out, Jack. I, I, honestly, I'm been very impressed with the way Milwaukee has kind of been able to extend the current run they've been on. Yeah, and it, I think it's a testament to Craig Council and what he's been able to do as a manager. He's gotten creative at times, and we've talked about some of these ideas where sometimes when you bring in a guy like a David Ross who does not have experience and he had already had some type of relationship with the front office, he had worked for the Cubs previously, we see those maybe not work so well. And we'll see what ends up being the case with David Ross. But Craig Council, he has functioned wonderfully with the Brewers front office. They have a great cohesive unit right there in Milwaukee. Yeah, and it's opened up consistency in a division where, you know, we haven't overly seen much consistency throughout the past couple of seasons. I mean, Jack, the last what, three years, we've had three different division winners, correct? Cubs, <laughs> yeah. and seven, Cubs in 17, Milwaukee 18, and then St. Louis last year. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Milwaukee got into the playoffs in 2019. Um, so, yeah, this, this team kind of just seems to always be right there. And... Look, Christian Yelich has turned himself into the type of player where he can carry a roster, Jack. Yeah. Um, he's turned into a no-doubt like top three guy in the entire MLB and really behind Trout. And, I mean, yeah. he's, his numbers are right there with yeah. Trout at times. Yeah. Um, so he's the type of guy who – he's a mega superstar. Um, and then behind him, you know, you've got Kane. You still have Braun. You have Sogard. Keston Hira was really good last year as a rookie. He's a guy that they had opportunities to trade when they had discussed trades like the Yelich trade. And mm-hmm. he was a guy that they said, we really want to hang on to this guy. He was a key contributor for them down the stretch last year. Yeah, and they brought him up for the second half, correct? Correct. Yeah, they brought him up. Yeah, and he hit over 300. So, And he'll be the, the everyday second baseman this year. So that, the pieces are still there. Um, they got really nice seasons from a couple of their starters a year ago. Brandon Woodruff, who he was the one who ended up throwing the wild card game, right, Jack? I believe that's correct. Yep, that is correct. Uh, yeah, and I mean, he was eleven and three a year ago. Um, Adrian Hauser also gave them a solid season. It's a team that look these. <laughs> if you ask the average baseball fan, I'm not sure they'd know them. <laughs> some of these, <laughs> some of these starters. But I mean, year in year out, this team is right there. I love what they have with Yelich and kind of leading the way. I love some of these bats that they have right behind him. 
And I think this team is primed for, you, you know, kind of to be right there when it comes to this division this year. Yeah, and this is a very good division. I don't think we even mentioned it looks like Coral is healthy once again, and they did not have him at all last year. He got injured. I can't remember what he's in their bullpen because their bullpen was a huge key to them making the playoffs each of the last two years. But in 18, their bullpen was much stronger than it was a season ago. Yeah, and they've had, the, obviously, the staple there in, in Josh Hader. Um, and yeah, you combo, that was a good point on Knabel because I, I did not mention him, but I like that with Hader too, is kind of a one, two punch for the back of that pen. Yeah. Justin smoke, another guy they brought in. Maybe he's a guy keep in mind. The brewers have had good success with some of these guys that they've scooped up on the waiver wire, whether it being Jesus Aguilar or, uh, there's another guy like that, but they, they, they scoop up. Justin Smoke and Jed Jerko. I'm curious to see what they're able to finesse out of those two guys. Yeah, those kind of low-risk moves that sometimes can pay off big dividends. Yeah. And uh, Brock Holt, another guy. They got a few of them. <laughs> yes, they do. Do we want to jump right into the over-under? For yeah, let's here? do it. What? Where are they at? So they have them at 83 and a half. Keep in mind, a year ago, they won 89. Yeah, I, I don't see them. Look. I'm going to make this clear. I I think the Reds, I like the Reds a little more than the Brewers just because of upside alone. Um, But I I do think this floor is much steadier than the the Reds is because we could see the Reds entirely flop. Now, I I will stand by the Reds as a slightly right above the Brewers. So I'll go with 86 wins for the Brewers, and I had the Reds at 87 wins. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I think they are over the 83 and a half that labels them as. I think I had the Reds at, what, 85, 84, 85, 86. I think I have the Brewers, uh, yeah, kind of at the top of that, 86, 87. Um, I think this team is going to be right there in terms of competing for maybe that second wild card spot or maybe even first wild card spot, depending on how the season goes. Um, but I do, I, I just think this team is going to be there when it comes down to it. Yeah. I think they'll be in the discussion and a lot of it depends on it. Look, Christian Yelich can stay healthy. I think this team can make a run maybe as much as any of these NL central teams. All right. And that brings us to our final team for the day. Uh, it seems that we are in agreement. They were the reigning division champions or they are the reigning yep. division champions the St. Louis Cardinals, and I think we're in agreement to both pick them for the NL Central again this year. You are correct, Jack. I am taking the Cardinals to win this division. So this is a team that is very different from how the Cubs are constructed, and it was very fascinating to me to see how that played out over the course of last season, towards the end of the season. And I know it's tough for Cubs fans to address that fact (laughs) and to face some truth. But you know what? This Cardinals team, I I had a friend text me. uh, There was a series where the Cubs and the Cardinals were uh, neck and neck going for the division, and the Cardinals ended up running through them, I think, the last two weekends of the season. My friend says, as much as I'm supposed to hate the Cardinals, I, I, I like their roster. Like, I wish that was my roster. They're built <laughs> on young pitching as opposed to older pitching. And they have a lot more guys in that lineup who maybe aren't going to hit the long ball, but they got a lot of guys who are going to constantly chip away, get on base, steal some bags, and play some very nice defense. Yeah, and I think that's the exact type of 
almost lineup and not many almost no mlb teams are building now right it's mm-hmm. all about power 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 we don't care how good you are really defensively in a lot of cases <laughs> as long as you can hit home runs and drive runs in um yeah and, that, and that's the way kind of i mean even with the star you know you have goldschmidt kind of right in the middle there and yes he hits for good power but he's that same type of guy he's kind of the chip away get on base type of hitter um, he's always hit for a pretty good average. I know it was a little down last year, but he's always been a, a guy that hits for a good average. And you touched on, uh, the way this lineup's kind of constructed. Colton Wong's kind of one of those guys, Tommy Edmond. Um, you know, they still have former cubby Dexter Fowler <laughs> in the mix. Um, so yeah. And, and along with that, I think their pitching to me is kind of what I really like about this team. I love the young, the two young star blooming stars you have in jack flaherty and dakota hudson those are two big time arms uh miles mikolas obviously a really nice piece there too i'm interested to see what they can get out of carlos martinez this year too jack because he's i mean he had really good success back in 2018 especially when when they had him as a starter there and he wasn't i think he he was out of the pen for them a year ago yeah i think he's going to be in the pen once again this season but we will see okay okay yeah it looks like i just I just read actually should be in rotation. So oh. they may be try- trying to plan to have him as maybe their fifth starter Interesting. Um, behind Wainwright. But that's another, you know, big time flame kind of flamethrower arm. That is, this uh, Cardinals team can kind of deploy. Um, and Wainwright obviously is still there as a- a- an arm there too. I really like this, the way this team is put together to me, Jack, I think the key with this team, maybe compared to some of the others, I think the floor for this team is very high. Yeah. Um, which I think is why I feel confident in taking them for the division more so than some of the other teams. It doesn't feel like, uh, in, in turn, you're not going to have to bet on upside with this squad as much as you may have to for some of the others. So, uh, and of course they still have Yachty behind the plate (laughs) (laughs) for years, 38 of that or 40. I think it's interesting to see with this team, because we talk about teams like the Cubs where they've hung on to essentially their entire core from when they won the world series. Mm -hmm. And then you have a team like the Cardinals where they hang on to guys like Wayne, Wright, Like Matt Carpenter, like Yachty or Molina, so they pick a few of them, and those are your guys that you have as your lifetime Cardinals. It's hard to fathom any of those guys on another roster. Yeah, and then you plug yeah. in key pieces exactly. across the board apart from those couple that you keep. And exactly. I, yes, and I think that's kind of been the big difference in the roster really between those two. Exactly. You keep throwing in those, drafting those Jack Flaherty guys, bringing them up, and they get those steady contributions from young guys. They also can sign a guy like Miles Michaelis, who is pitching in Japan, (laughs) and he can pitch. He was their number one two years ago. Mm -hmm. Flaherty, by the way, he's a guy that I, he was my Cy Young pick last year. He was, his second half was very similar to the second half that won Jake Arrieta his Cy Young in 2015. I don't think it's talked about enough how this guy was just suddenly the best pitcher in the National League for the last two, three months of the season. And I actually have the numbers in front of me, a .91 ERA and uh, 142 batting average against 124 Ks, wow. 23 walks in that second half. Unbelievable. Dynamite. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's best pitcher in the league numbers right there <laughs> from, for that second half. And he, we want to talk about P. 
pitchers who went to high school together. He was teammates with two guys who are now also in Major League Baseball, also big-time contributors. How does this sound as your pitching rotation in high school? Jack Flaherty, Lucas Giolito, and Max Freed. I'm just thankful I wasn't in that conference, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> in Southern California. Thankful I wasn't in that conference because, it, what, he's 20, Flaherty's 24? Even the years add up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so much to like about this team. I, I still like Daniel Ponce de Leon. He was a great recovery story. He is a guy that also is someone that I think you could throw into the rotation if you need him to as a spot starter, but he can contribute out of the pen. This bullpen is good. It's not entirely great. I don't think there were too many great bullpens in the National League last year, but everything based on looking at this roster points to a second straight division title for the St. Louis Cardinals. I would agree. And I, th- I, th- I think they're in they're in good shape to repeat. The, and this is a division yeah. that hasn't seen a repeat since. Let's see, the Cubs won in twenty sixteen. They won in twenty. Yes, right. So that, yeah, yeah so sixteen that was la- seventeen. Yeah, so Fifteen. Oh yeah, yeah. Sixteen seventeen was the last time a team has repeated with three straight division winners. I think the Cardinals repeat this year. Yeah, I think so too. Also, a couple other names. I'm not sure we mentioned Tommy Edmond last year. It was really fun to watch as just one of those contact speed guys who could really play anywhere on the diamond. Mm-hmm. And Paul DeYoung, I know every Twitter and Instagram post, you're going to see a Javi Baez play where it's like, oh, Javi, look at that play, <laughs> shortstop. Oh, my gosh, he's amazing. Paul DeYoung is the best defensive shortstop in the National League. This guy is unbelievable. Yeah, definitely one to look out for. And another thing too, Jack, I I, I think there's expectation where you have some of those expanded rosters yeah. given the times that might offer the opportunity for some of these guys or some of these teams to move up some of their top prospects heading into this year. Uh, just read Dylan Carlson is one to look out for Cardinals wise. Mm-hmm. There's a high chance that he has a 2020 debut given the expanded rosters. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> They're a nicely well-tuned machine. They always are drafting well. They always have these guys who come up. And they did one other interesting move. They did trade Jose Martinez in a trade where they acquired a top 100 pitcher who I think is going to be in single A or double A for them. But Jose Martinez, nice bat, but not really. If they Maybe if they knew that there was a DH coming, they would have hung on to Jose Martinez. That would have been one of those opportunities to maybe <laughs> hold on to him for an extra year. All right, so what about the win total, Jordan? What's that looking like? All right, the win total for the Cardinals is 87.5, so it does have project them as the division winner. They won 91 a year ago, Jack. 91 seems right on the money for them, I think. I don't think that this team is a team that you could really, at least maybe they add a couple pieces at the deadline, but I don't think they're a team that could win 100 and run away with the National League, especially with the Dodgers in there, especially with what the Braves are building and what we've talked about their uh, high ceiling is. But I think this team, just all they got to do is just win the NL Central. I don't think you're going to need more than... 90 wins to win the division. We just projected the win totals for all these teams. 
I think that's another element as to why they're not going to win that many games is because it's a division that eats itself and beats itself up. But this team is going, all they got to do, get into those playoffs. Last year, they were in the NLCS, and they really did not perform well against the Nationals. They got swept, which was a little surprising to me because they were my World Series pick a year ago. But, I mean, they're, they're again, one of those teams. You get into the playoffs, and you just throw... Flaherty, you throw you throw those three guys, Michaelis and um, Dakota, Hudson. Yeah, Hudson. Yep. That is as good of a one-two-three as you can get in this National League. Yeah, and I think it's important too to get those young guys, specifically Flaherty and Hudson. You know, those postseason starts can do dividends for what it's looking like is going to be expected. Long St. Louis Cardinal careers for each of them. So yeah. the more postseason starts you get early in the earlier in the careers, the more it's going to pay dividends as their careers go on. Absolutely. So you had them so you had them over the 87 and a half. Correct. I will have them over as well. I think, yeah, right around 90 wins wins this division. Um, it, well, given, you know, the season occurs fully. Uh, <laughs> so I'll have them over their win total as well. Um, you touched on, I think, you know, they'll beat up on each other. I think this division will beat up on each other, and that'll kind of cap the, uh, the upside of the division winner in terms of their wins. I also agree that I think both the NL East and NL West division winners will have more than the Cardinals. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think we're pretty much in agreement there uh, on the card side of the things. The last thing I will say, Jack Flaherty, as much as we love him and, and we know that he's going to have a great career, I guess we can't say we know for certain, but yeah. he could. There is the potential there to be a Trevor Williams or to be a Kyle Freeland just for this year. Not doesn't mean that he's going to fall off entirely, but there's a chance that he regresses a little bit. That wouldn't shock me just because he was so dominant that you might, you might not see that dominance very frequently in this league, especially from one pitcher. Yeah, I think kind of a Nola too comes to mind. You know, yeah. some some solid, uh, really, really like where you're right in that Cy Young uh, talk, and then you you know you just have some regression. Um, important to note too, this will be what his third full season in the league because he did have yeah. a yeah and he, he was pretty solid in terms of his first full year in the league too so yeah he's definitely one to look, look out for there could be some regression there but i mean jack if you've seen the stuff i think he's here to stay for a long time <laughs> oh absolutely so it'll be a lot of fun i cannot wait i really am hopeful i'm positive i'm optimistic right now that we will get baseball i think it will happen and i'm not going to be negative until someone tells me that this thing doesn't look like it's happening. I think we can figure it out. I'm hoping we get there. And I'm very excited. I cannot wait for the return of sports. It's going to be funny because there's a possibility where this podcast just turns into an NHL podcast for two months. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I mean, look, we're ramping up these baseball podcasts for a reason right now. I think we're confident that this is this is something that, you know, in the next month, month and a half, we're really hoping is up and going. Um, look, the world's a better place when baseball is going on. So let's yeah. let's get it moving. Absolutely. I think otherwise we're going to have to be podcasting about the Korean League. And uh, <laughs> I think that could make for maybe a one fun, like a, a fun one time show, but not a, a weekly feature. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm not sure I'm going to pay enough attention to that league, Jack, <laughs> to be able to be a consistent guest on that end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan, this was a blast as always. I look forward to talking NL West with you at some point in the near future. I'm sure we'll figure it out. 
eventually. <laughs> Sounds good, Jack. Thanks as always for having me. What an awesome job by Jordan Morandini. He did a great job today. It was a lot of fun speaking with him. Thank you to Jordan for joining me. Thank you to all of you, the listeners. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or follow the Jack Vita Show Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Twitter and Instagram handle is at Jack Vita Show. That's the name of this podcast. Pretty easy to find. No spaces in between. If you would like to, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That would be really great for this podcast moving forward. It does so much good. There was a week where we had about 10 people leave reviews back in March. And as a result, the algorithm in Apple, we had some of the highest numbers that we've ever had in terms of downloads that week. I don't think it's a coincidence. You'd be doing a great deal of help if you can just leave a five-star rating and review, write a few kind words, and it will go a long way for me. It'll go a long way for this podcast. You can also subscribe to The Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. I just noticed this week that this podcast had not been on Stitcher, so I contacted Stitcher. I set it up so you can now listen on Stitcher and Google Podcasts for that matter. So available in all kinds of locations. Please follow along. It'll do us a lot of good, and you will always be aware whenever there is new, fresh content available. Hope you guys all enjoyed this, and I hope you're all doing well in this time, staying positive and trusting God. Until next time, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dance of lobsters. <laughs>